today. Everything that makes country racing great. This is Bushbeat on Radio Tab. Coming toward the home corner. They've got about 440 to go and past the old Eagle Lodge many years ago. But as they come to the home corner, Average Jones already under a bit of pressure here. Nazorian has cruised up to it and has got the crown of the track. Average Jones, he's gone for the whip on it. Uh, the wallet trying to run on. Nazorian a little bit wayward in the straight. Average Jones trying to kick back and now Puss Boots is storming home down the outside. Puss Boots moved up to Nazorian. Puss Boots grabbed the lead and Puss boots for Jay Taylor. It gets home. Nazorian second, tight for third. Average Jane or out. That was Puss Boots taking out the cutest dual qualifier three-year-old plate at Cairns yesterday at Cannon Park as we welcome you to Bushbeat for another week on Radio Tab, rounding up all of the country news and keeping a close watch on what's happening around the, the countryside as well when it comes to these cutest dual qualifiers. Kicking off with that one at Cairns yesterday, Townsville today, getting ready for all the uh, Mackay race coming up on Friday, then Rockhampton Saturday and of course the dual preludes happening at Doombin at the Brisbane Racing Club on Saturday. On the show today we look back at what happened on the weekend no racing at home hill meeting there was called off on friday due to the uh, wet weather making the track unsuitable for racing but we had no such problems at Roma. Great Bendemir Cup program there and the Cup well, local win to Craig and Hoff. And we've got news coming through this morning with Cameron Partington from the Australian Trainers Association Queensland branch. As always, helping us out with the news out and about in the countryside this morning is Rob Luck. G'day, Rob. Yeah, good morning, Tony. Uh, good morning, Steve. Good morning, listeners. And, yeah, certainly out and about as part of the Magic Millions uh, stud tours that are happening at James Dawson we spoke about last week, Tony. Organising on behalf of Magic Millions, just leaving Tayamina Lodge on our way to Kenmore Lodge and uh, Don, our Magic Millions driver. And uh, Neil Jenkinson on board as well, with Neil Jenkinson Bloodstock in the car. So we're, we're hooting along, Tony. If we have a bit of, bit of trouble with uh, me hearing anything, just you'll understand if I say something that doesn't relate to anything <laughs> you're talking about. It's because I can't quite pick you up. But uh, look, it's been a wonderful initiative and... and um, Yesterday, uh, out to the uh, the stud areas around Bow Desert, um, and we even uh, ama- uh, managed to avoid all the all the storms. But we were able to visit Lucas Bloodstock, Glen Logan, uh, Warrendale Stud, and Fig Tree. And today, there's about seven on the list: Ayamina, Kenmore, Eureka, uh, Clear Mountain, The Grove, Noble Bend, Oakland Studs, Fraser Bloodstock. Um, Friday, it continues on. Unfortunately, I'm on a plane to Longridge to do seven days' work out at uh, Barker's and uh, Lindhurst, Raheen, Yarramalong and Tipawana Farms. And <clears throat> from what I hear, I'm going to miss a very big item on Friday. Di Nolan provides one of the best lunches you'll find at Raheen Stud, I believe, Tony. I've, I've heard that on the grapevine. Unfortunately, Di, I won't be there to enjoy that, but I know it'll be a great parade. But, uh, boy, um, James has got this organised down to the the last minute and um, anyone who wants to uh, get on board uh, you just need to contact him 0401 412 838 I'm sure he'll enjoy a few more people taking up the offer because it is so well organised and uh, there's about um, probably uh, 10 of us at the moment uh, doing the tours but I do believe that Clinton Taylor has landed by plane from Rockhampton uh, to join us a little bit later at Kenmore so they're coming from near far and wide don't he? 
Don't they do a wonderful job at Magic Millions uh, in the lead-ups to these sales? I know it happens with the, the big one in January where they have a lot of the uh, big trainers uh, and stables from down south coming up, the, the likes of Gay Waterhouse doing uh, tours through all of the studs and inspecting yearlings. And so much work goes into it all before they actually get paraded on auction day. Uh, but great to see that, yeah, they're transferring all of that into this March sale as well, as Tony McMahon was telling us last week. Uh, Magic Millions helping out with the uh, accommodation package available for those buyers that qualify and contact James Dawson for more details on that but it's just a, a wonderful setup that they managed to look after everyone so well oh yeah and you mentioned Gay Waterhouse she usually comes in by helicopter well Clinton set a new <laughs> standard he's flying in uh, by plane uh, that's setting the standard for the regional buyers I think uh, in this particular sale and yeah look they do and uh, everything's um, er- everything's so well organised and great to be able to support um, these stud tours and it's something I think, I mean not everyone has the uh, ability I suppose time wise to be able to get out and about for the full day but this one today you know it takes up uh, the whole day and and you get, you virtually get to cover the catalogue so well by the time um, you come to inspections prior to the actual sale leading on from that dual race day and let's just mention that for a moment Tony, that result coming out of um, Cairns yesterday uh, the, the vagaries of of breeding, uh, I mean the, the nation, the racing nation, in shock, I suppose, with the loss of very elegant and yeah. and her foal over in um, Ireland. I mean the lows and highs of everything to do with this game, and breeding is no different. And that that's an extreme low. Everyone's saddened by that. And then you you get to the cutest, uh, or you get to the um, yeah the the result yesterday up there in in Cairns um, for Telamon Stud, where the Jungle Cat. Uh, Galloper got up and defeated the odds-on favourite um, when we had Puss Boots uh, winning that particular race for Jungle Cut. That was a three-year-old filly. Two wins now from 15. Um, and it, the timing of it always amazes me when the sale comes around. Um, you get these the stallions that suddenly produce the winners or you get the results that um, just boost the studs' opportunities. In fact, Telemann on the day... Uh, had two good results because uh, one of their, I suppose, foundation mares in aristocracy, uh, the Love Conquers All for Aristocracy five-year-old called Regal Conqueror, took the cutest money in the Class 3 uh, for Charlie Hoffman and Nathan Thomas. So the highs and lows of breeding in the game um, in different parts of the world and leading into the sales, I'm sure Talamon would have been very pleased to see Jungle Cat with that win in a qualifier, a cutest dual three-year-old qualifier. And as you mentioned, those other two-year-old and three-year-old qualifiers coming up. But how about Jason Taylor again, Tony? Three winners for the day. Uh, continues to ride extremely well. Stephen Massingham trained two of them. And the Headley Racing Colours, four winners on the day um, up there in Cairns on that uh, heavy track. So I'll tell you one thing about the Jungle Cats then. If, if they can handle a wet track like uh, Puss Boots did yesterday, you know you've got that base covered. And well done to Cameron Richards and all of the team there at the uh, the Cairns Jockey Club uh, getting the the meeting underway. Uh, Cameron was updating everybody through uh, social media on how the, the track was faring leading into the day because they'd had plenty of rain in the, the lead-up to that Cairns program. I can't remember the exact numbers of, of how much there was. I'm just going to try and see if I can uh, find that from uh, the news out of yesterday. 199 millimetres of rain for the week. 
nearly 200, so what's that, 8 inches in the old scale. Thankfully, it had dried out a little bit by the time they got to the weekend, but we were able to race on a, a heavy eight at the start of the day, and it just shows all of that uh, work they've been doing on that track at Cannon Park has been uh, so worth it over the last few years. Yeah, it, um, it just the work going into tracks, even Eagle Farm again on the weekend, showing that um, the work paying off and the drainage system's working well. So, uh, yeah, well done to uh, Cairns and uh, getting that program, and and we continue to look forward to those those jewels that uh, you mentioned, um, and leading in, of course, to the preludes at uh, in the city uh, in Brisbane on Saturday. Uh, speaking of that wet weather up north, as I mentioned, we lost the Burdekin Race Club program on the weekend. Uh, that didn't proceed Saturday with the news following the Friday track inspection that the surface had received something like 113 millimetres of rain, making it unsuitable for racing. So unfortunately, they weren't able to go ahead at Home Hill, but they were able to go ahead at Bassett Park at the Roma Turf Club Bendemeer Cup program on the weekend. 700 metres to go, limited reality the outside, Baltimore Bullet Boots throw along the inside, Deference in the centre and Kragenhoff splitting them, Deference goes through on the inside there of uh, moving up there is uh, limited reality followed then by Kragenhoff and Baltimore Bullet still there followed by Muron back towards the tail of the field, Bashani operator and Louis LeJoy, Deference out in the centre of the track goes to the lead, kicking on over on the inside there is limited reality and Craig and Hoff getting through late. Craig and Hoff got through quickly and Craig and Hoff I think has won the last from the stable mate deference and limited reality. The Sediva Haulage Bendemeer Cup for 2024 going to Craig and Hoff for Craig Smith and Adam Sewell in a stable Quinella with deference uh, owned by Rodney Hay running second. Limited reality ran third for the Wayne Baker stable and Robert was a race that changed complexion at the very closing stages because it looked like it was going to be a race in two. Amy Graham had limited reality on the rails and was storming home and Jacob Golden was bringing deference down the outside but Adam Sewell managed to thread the needle and steer Craig and Hoff with a bit of a surge right down the centre and was able to nose them out right on the line. Yeah, this real saga galloper gets five-year-old now. He's going great gun, seven wins and nine placings from 24 starts. Look at the track record. He's had eight starts there for three wins and four minor placings. And this is a repeat performance of Roma Cup Day where Craig and Hoff is uh, probably a little bit more dominant in the win there margin-wise over deference. Uh, the Rodney Hay uh, own galloper. Rodney will be probably sick and uh, tired of the sight of Craig and Hoff, <laughs> but you can't uh, deny the wins of, uh, of Craig and Hoff. Uh, for Craig Smith. This is a horse really on the way up for the stable and um, you know he could be the sort of horse too that Craig has some plans for when it comes to things like your Battle of the Bush or down the track the Country Stampedes because maintaining the form um, extremely well. He was first up since the middle of December and uh, as I said the exact same Quinella as Roma Cup Day so they're going uh, they're going really well these gallopers and uh, deference um, uh, goes down by the uh, the barest of margins, but uh, it's also a galloper in form. But uh, well done to Adam Sewell and Craig Smith. We follow Craig and Hoff with a fair degree of inf- interest. But you were out there, Tony, and I tell you, there's um, there's one trainer whose uh, form has been going, or the stable has been going extremely well. We reported on a double last week, and again it came up with Wayne Baker and Amy Graham scoring the double there at Roma on Saturday.
Yeah, they kicked it off with the Whittington gelding in Bag of Wit taking out the opening race of the day. And it was nice to see, too. The, the Bendemeer Cup program, Rob, is one of those that you, you talk about how race clubs do it so well, paying a nod to uh, some of the people that have helped establish the history of the club or the regions or something like that. And the Bendemeer Cup goes back to, well, as far as I was able to, to find out, when they first formed the Roma Turf Club, when they built the new Bassett Park complex, and I'm talking something like 1969 when all of this happened, they merged a few of the clubs that were around the region, and one of those was the Wallambilla Race Club just east of Roma. And that Wallambilla Bendemeer region, Bendemeer was the previous uh, regional council name, I guess you could say, before all of the council amalgamations happened all those years ago. And they were able to still maintain that connection to that region, even with the sponsors in Sediva Haulage, a, a very big in that uh, sort of area around Wallambilla North, Yulebar North, that kind of part of the town or part of the countryside. And they named the two opening races. Races, the Pickinginny Handicap and the Muggleton Handicap, and both are districts, I guess you could say, or communities within that region. If you're driving west, uh, you'll look on the right-hand side of the road as you're outside Roma, you'll see a... Uh, uh, a big rock that's painted uh, in Aboriginal paint to look like a turtle. That's the Pickinginny Crossroads there. And it, yeah, it sort of marks all of that sort of area. So it was nice to see that kind of nod back to the history, as they did with uh, a couple of the other memorial races that have now become entrenched on this day. And uh, nice to see the, the Smith family all there with the Rex and Catherine Smith Memorial for Brandon and Associates, and likewise SQS presenting the Rodney Hoffman Memorial. Uh, Hoff was part of Craig and Hoff and now raced in just Craig Smith's name but yeah I'm sure that uh, Hoffy was looking down on that and we'll talk more about uh, that uh, race a little bit later but yeah talking about uh, the Wayne Baker stable uh, Bakes just keeps on doing what he's doing bringing these good horses into the stable and managing to bring the, the results home and it, it, as you said it kicked off early with um, with uh, that what particular runner bag of wits uh, winning that uh, benchmark 60 by length over Country Boys and Sequacious running third. And it was just one of those rides by uh, a really good Amy Graham ride. Had uh, a bag of wits sitting on the rail just behind the early leaders, was able to find a split at the, uh, the home turn and pushed through, took the lead in the straight and scored from the, the very fast finishing place getters. And the other one that caught the eye, the race favourite Nutso, was doing his best work late. I know he was backing up out of the Marilla Cup at Miles the week before, but perhaps 900 metres might be just a little bit short for Nutso. Maybe Brendan Newport's having a, a few issues trying to find the right sort of race for him. The uh, second race of the program there at Roma was, as I mentioned, the Muggleton handicap, but it was also a nod to uh, Sophie Wilcock, who made a successful return to Bassett Park. Uh, the race was named in her honour because Sophie was the 2023 Jockey Premiership winner last year. Roma Turf Club uh, switched over to, like a lot of clubs have, a calendar year type premiership for the jockey and trainer uh, as opposed to the, the racing season one where it runs August all the way through to July. So it was great to have Sophie back out there and great to see her win for the William Pugsley Stable on Transceltic. And this one was having its first start for the stable, Rob. I was having a look through uh, Transceltic's... Uh, uh, details before came from the Fleur Blanche stable and been racing around the Northern Rivers part of New South Wales and only managed to post one win out of 18 starts before it then came to uh, the Charleville operation of the Pugsleys but uh, Sophie put on a, a very nice uh, ride there and was able to bring Transceltic all the way down the rails. It was a bit of a George Moore coming straight up the running rail and a long neck victory over Deep Millions and White Chocolate was only a head away in third. There were some good tight finishes there in the early part of the day as much as then we had some decent margins a little bit later on. And 
I was uh, commenting to someone we all love to see a grey in full flight at the racetrack and that was the case in the uh, Brandon and Associates Rex and Catherine Smith Memorial. One last trick having its first race start in this cutest maiden plate for Scott Rogers and Liv O'Donnell continuing on the winning way for the girls there on Saturday. Uh, Liv had uh, this... Uh, this gilding straight to the front, and it was another one of those classic front-running rides. Never headed, defeated Lipstick Lies by two and a quarter lengths, and Artopia was a short half head away in third. And I think the uh, the Millers and the Rogers are going to have a lot of fun there with one last trick. Uh, looked very impressive at its first start. Yeah, Tony, and good to see these horses having their first runs for the stable, as you already mentioned. Uh, William Pugsley getting that new one, uh, getting the win there, and... Uh, and that that was a good form line too because that deep millions for Wayne Baker's been running in really good form with two wins from its previous two starts and and isn't it good to see Scotty Rogers back with a um a new one there with one last trick and the cutest money and there's got to have been a story behind that with that being a five-year-old having its first start very patient um group of owners there and Liv O'Donnell getting that win but then you go down to the uh the the second winner by Wayne for Wayne Baker the catalyst by or by, uh, ridden by Amy Graham, the Exceed and Excel. This one was uh, Clayton Douglas Galloper having its second run for the stable and now two from two on the day uh, for Wayne Baker. So they're acquiring these um, these new horses through the tried market, obviously, but uh, I was really pleased to see Scotty Rogers, of course, um, had that good winner quite a few years ago in Oggie um, with one last trick and as well picked up that cutest money. Do you, were you able to find out why it was so taken so long to get to the races? No, I didn't get a chance to ask Scott all about that, but I did hear somebody say to him, when's your next Oggy coming along? And he, he did laugh and say, still looking. Well, I'm not going to compare one last trick to Oggy, but at the same time, hopefully there's uh, quite a few more wins in place. And you mentioned Catalyst there. Uh, yeah, it had its first start at the December meeting, the, the Christmas program there at Bassett Park for, at the Roman Turf Club program when it had its first start for the Wayne Baker stable. And uh, I think uh, I said at the time the boys are going to have a bit of fun with this one. So, yes, back-to-back wins after a little freshen up. But what was significant about that win, I didn't realise it until having a look at some of the stats last night, Rob. Amy Graham brought up win number 50 of her riding career with that win on Catalyse. She only started riding back in September of uh, 2022. I think I found her first ride was um, it was a horse, something like Sierra Padre, I think it was, at Gatton or something like that, and ran fourth. wasn't one of those fairy tales where you see a lot of jockeys they'll you know, win at their first ride. She's, um, she's certainly building the career very quickly, Amy, and been willing to travel far and wide. I can recall she was out with Shane Iverson uh, riding winners as well. So uh, congratulations to you, Amy. That's uh, the first milestone, or one of them, out of the way. Now you're headed for the next 50 and uh, hit that mm-hmm. magic tonne. Yeah, 50 wins and 136 placings out of 325 career rides. So she's got some nice stats there on the board already and great to see win number 50. And we've touched on um, the, the link there with uh, the Rodney Hoffman Memorial and, and Craig and Hoff. And I guess, yes, with the uh, the Smith family having such a connection to the Wallenbilla region, it was only fitting that Craig Smith was able to add another Bendemere Cup to the, the mantelpiece. And Craig and Hoff edging out his, fa- his uh, stable made in deference. And I... Craig did comment something like, he looked at him crossing the line, he looked straight at Rodney Hay, who just shook his head and said, there, there you go again. Uh, but anyway, it was nice to see, and good to see Adam Sewell out there too. He was the only lad that rode uh, a winner on the day. The girls managed to ride the other four, but uh, Adam was then very quickly back in the, the car. He had one ride on Sunday at the uh, the Sunshine Coast program, so good to see the jockeys still uh, putting in the, uh, the long miles and the hard yards, so to speak, when they've got uh, many miles between those kind of runs. 
Yeah, well, just uh, a little note on the side, leaving Tayamina Lodge there with the yearlings and uh, who should be leading the yearlings round, Michael Schruppel, um, of course, recently married to Anna Bacos, and he said, well, Anna's on her way to Mount Isa um, this weekend coming up. So uh, they're travelling far and wide, as, and it's really good to see, Tony. They, um, they've been supporting country racing right through the season, particularly the last two years. And, uh, yeah, good to see they'll, they'll get the results, as, as we see uh, there with people like Amy Graham getting that double and, and Wayne Baker continuing to produce the winners uh, with the double at Roma. You mentioned Mount Isa this Saturday. There's also race meetings on at Mariba, Gundawindi and Blackhall. That Mariba uh, scheduling is a replacement for the Australia Day meeting they lost with the big wet. So fingers crossed everything will be able to go ahead there. But a nice spread of race meetings coming up on the weekend. And as well on Sunday, uh, the Lock Cup will be heat three of the Bill Holland series in South Australia. Just a touch on SA Racing. Uh, last week, of course, was the Kangaroo Island Carnival. And the Cup went to Eureka's victory for Caitlin Tootle and Nicole Irwin, who managed to combine for a double on Saturday's program. And I was having a look at the uh, the results there. Day one on Thursday, Rob, Dom Tenor and the uh, Peter and Belinda Blanche stable combined for a double on the Thursday. But across the two days, Nicole Irwin had eight runners for three winners and a second, and Caitlin Turtle had 11 rides across the two days for two wins and four placings. So they certainly uh, dominated the program there, but a nice little uh, touch there for uh, uh, Tim Edwards in the call saying it's another Irwin stable Kangaroo Island Cup. Well done to everyone uh, involved there with the Kangaroo Island Carnival and we'll keep an eye on those uh, other series that are rolling through. The Bill Holland series, as I mentioned, heads to lock for their program on Sunday. And uh, the other one that we're following through is the Limestone Coast series. They get a bit of a break until the Mount Gambier Cup, which is Heat 5, coming up on March 22nd. And you're the keeper of the series, so you'll be keeping tabs shortly on some of those ones coming up in Queensland, I'm uh, sure. We've still got things like the Burnet to the Beach that will be uh, will be happening and of course we lead into it won't be too long around the corner before we start talking about the new battle of the bush and the the heat qualifications um, for that and as I mentioned earlier I'm sure some of these stables are are planning well in advance to get the right horse to run in that series Tony. Yeah, first heats are coming up on the weekend of uh, April 13, uh, where the first two heats are going to be run at the Gundawindi Picnics and also at Thangool. And the other couple of uh, series that are coming up, there's the uh, Magic Millions Far North Queensland Rob Kosh Memorial Up and Coming Stayer Series. Uh, that's going to be kicking off March 30 at Inersley. Uh, with the cup there and there's also the uh, Outback Racing Series I seem to remember seeing the a little spot there as well in the, uh, the Racing Queensland magazine saying that that's coming up I can't remember or can't see on my little list here when the first one's going to be oh there it is, it's the Tree of Knowledge Cup at Bar Calden coming up in May so we've got quite a few series that we'll be keeping an eye on on Bushbeat in the weeks to come. Rob, a while ago we had uh, Cameron Partington as a guest on Bushbeat uh, the, from the Queensland branch of the Australian Trainers Association. Just with a little update of some of the news that's happening from the ATA Queensland branch. We thought it was an opportunity, seeing as we didn't have uh, too much racing on the weekend, to catch up with Cam once more to grab an update and see what's happening and what's making news at the moment in amongst the Trainers branch. Good morning, Cameron. Good morning to Sain and to Rob. Good morning to you, Cameron. Uh, if you're having, if I'm having trouble hearing you, it's because we're travelling on our way to Toowoomba at the moment as part of the Magic Millions tours and headed to Kenmore Lodge. But uh, one of the initiatives you talked about last time, of course, was the uh, the jockey page. I notice you're still having to do a few prompts every now and again for some of the jocks to 
uh, get in and use that uh, that page and indicate where they're riding. Have there been any upgrades to it, Cameron? You could advise the listeners of. Yeah, listen, Rob. Look, um, thanks for bringing it up. It's actually um, you know Oops. a great tool for for trainers and jockeys, and it's like any habits. Um, you know, bad ones are easy to pick up, but good ones are a bit harder. And we've just got to get the jockeys to you know pass the information through. If they want to let trainers and the industry know where they're riding, it's a perfect way to do that. There's 145 jockeys on the page, of which probably about 40 or 50 are regularly updating. Um, so there's probably a good 40 or 50, I suppose, that are just forgetting to and not telling where we're, where they're riding. Trainers are going to go to that page, quickly find the phone number for the manager or the, or the jockey um, and quickly get in contact with them knowing where they're riding. But if their details are not up there or the information's not up there, eventually trainers will stop going to the page and it's a bit of a, a knock-on effect there. So we really are going to need... You know, the jockeys to lift their game a little bit in that department. It's only going to help themselves, and it's a simple matter of a text or, a, or an email. And, uh, you know, the information comes through, and we get it up on the page straight away, Rob. Well, I guess a, a good example there, guys, is looking at, say, the, uh, the jockey that uh, Rob mentioned before there, uh, Partsy, in uh, Anna Bakos, or Anna Trapel now, um, riding at Mount Isa on Saturday. But then I see, looking further ahead, Thursday 29th, Anna's down to ride at Ipswich. Uh, and then for the, the country trainers especially, uh, Saturday 2nd of March, riding at Charleville. So for those that are aiming a couple of weeks out and making their planning, they can see that Anna's already planning to go to Charleville. You can scroll your way down that particular weekend and, and see who else is going to be available for that weekend. Um, I'm probably being unfair to everybody else because that is a couple of weeks out, but you know, I can only see Anna at this stage riding at Charleville that weekend, so it does assist with that kind of planning. It does, Tony. It's not hard at all for them, and it's just to help help them first and foremost to get more rides and then help the industry. A trainer wants to be able to quickly go and have a look at his riding in that venue and say, well, I want to book a jockey. I'll see who's riding there. And At the moment, they're making three or four phone calls just to find out, oh, where are you going? Oh, I'm not going there. I'm going somewhere else. And, and the jockeys can put two or three venues for that one Saturday when they haven't decided. And then as they know where they're going, they can update it and remove it and say, that, hey, look, it is now just Charleville or whatever it might be. So just hope the jockeys listening, you know, take advantage of the opportunity because if we don't, we could actually lose the site eventually because people aren't going to go to it if it's not updated. So let's hope that um, people can take it up, Tone and Rob. Yeah, even looking at someone like Girash Gumane uh, riding this weekend has put down Gundawindi and Toowoomba. Um, which is not that hard to do, of course, with the distance between it. But, yeah, being able to uh, put in something like that, Talia Fenland down for Dermot and Gold Coast. So, yeah, trainers can look at it and say, OK, well, I've got one in one of the earlier races of the coast. Can you ride that before you head up to Dermot or something like that? That's right. And, Rob, you asked about any changes. And, look, I'm, I'm hoping that Racing Queensland will see the benefit of the site and look at it, you know, the technology that does cost money. Technology is not cheap, and we've done this as, as cheap as we can because we didn't have the funding for it. Um, Ark, you could look at an app down the track and imagine, you know, in somewhere in the future where there's a simple app, the jockeys have got their access to their own their own content and they go on there and can make the changes that are live straight away. A trainer wants a jockey, goes to the app, puts in the venue, Charleville, Saturday the 20th, and he sees the seven jockeys that are riding there. It's all, to me, very simple as in, you know, the, what we're looking for, what we want to achieve. It's just putting it together. And if, if we can use it and show Ark that, hey, what a great tool it is, I'm sure they'll then invest in it. Yeah, I'm quite sure, Cameron, with uh, greater use of it, you get that support going. But I haven't been keeping on tops of uh, all the social media in relation to the train as well. But um, a few things happening in that regard that uh, the Trainers Association are looking into. Yeah, look, one of the big things, we've actually got a meeting this afternoon. It's good timing. We've got a meeting with Racing Queensland. It's a Zoom meeting. We do a lot of our meetings on Zoom which is a great way for, you know, all trainers throughout Queensland to be able to, you know, log in and take it, you know, participate in meetings to get their say and to listen and ask questions. 
this afternoon is to do with the minimum race field policy, and I'm sure you both have noticed, particularly in the TAB race meetings, not so much non-TAB, but as soon as we have a race that's got less than seven genuine acceptors, meaning those acceptors are all going to that race. They're not, you know, dual accepted on the day or they're going to another venue. Unless there's seven going to that race, RQ are just abandoning the race at acceptance time and, and you know, makes it really difficult then for trainers and owners when they've, you know, got their heart set on a race, they planned it for, you know, three weeks in advance or even longer and then they come to acceptance time and there's only six there or five there and the race gets canned. So our meeting this afternoon is to talk to Jason Scott, CEO, and uh, Roscoe from Racing, just to just to get there, get us to understand better about what the reasoning. Obviously, it's to do with funding, it's to do with turnover, it's to try and get the, the races to provide more income. But we've got to balance that with giving opportunities. Every horse deserves an opportunity, whether it's a stayer or a sprinter, a two-year-old or a six-year-old. You know, you've got to put races on, and if the race doesn't proceed, it's not just bad luck. You've actually then got to say, where does that horse find a home? So this afternoon at 4.30 at our Zoom meeting, so I urge all trainers, if you're listening, um, to jump on there because if we don't show the support at those sort of meetings, it sends a pretty clear message to RQ that, hey, there's no problem. No one's, no one's obviously bothering to, to want to talk about it, so um, nothing much will change. So hopefully um, you know, we'll have a good roll up there. We have about 30 or 40 normally that come to our Zoom meetings, which is great, but obviously there's strength in numbers. So if you're listening and you're a trainer, get in touch with me before 4.30 and I'll tell you how to get onto the Zoom. Yeah, it's not a case of the squeakiest wheel gets the most oil, but at the same time, if there's no squeaks, then there's not going to be any oil applied to the problem uh, to continue that metaphor on. So, yes, you do need that kind of support. And, and I guess that also that ties in with that kind of minimum field size. As you say, Cam, it might be affecting more of the tab meetings, but that does in turn affect a lot of the uh, the regional trainers as well that might be heading to, say, like a Townsville meeting today or like Mackay on Friday, something like that. Uh, you're thinking that you can step your horse up to that kind of provincial tab status and then the race falls away. As you say, you've got to find a new race for it. You've got to find a new home somewhere along the way. Um, but at the same time, for the owners, it doesn't stop just because your horse didn't race. If the race didn't go ahead at Mackay or, or Cairns or wherever, you've still got to pay the owner's bills. It, it doesn't stop that kind of thing. So there still needs to be races out there for horses to compete in. Yes, Tony, very frustrating. And, you know, the owner's paying the bills and, and then they get told, oh, the last two or three races that you've tried to go to fell over. It comes down to a personal thing. If trainers have it happen to them, they're up in arms and they think it's, you know, the worst thing in the world. But if it doesn't happen to them directly, they'll turn a blind eye. But um, the way it's going at the moment, we're just seeing it more and more happening. RQ are just getting tougher on it. Obviously, the belt's tightening and, and they've got to make sure that, you know, every race they run is the best possible avenue for making money and um, that then you know jeopardises races that don't have those numbers so it's going to affect all trainers a lot more going forward and we want to make sure there's a genuine balance there we understand IP's position because the, the, uh, the fallback if they didn't do it would be that they'd have to cut prize money eventually because they'd say well to keep the, the level of prize money where it is with the income not coming in we've got to you know We've got to do something different, and that's what they're doing at the moment. So we had a meeting on the ratings changes. I you gents might have noticed it was just last weekend that RQ did a significant change to the benchmark ratings of all horses in country and provincial two meetings, and they took a couple of points basically off every trainer. And once we, we had the meeting, once people understood a bit more about it, it certainly helped them appreciate and understand what the change was. Um, so, you know, keeping in touch and being part of the ATA obviously helps because you're getting all the information and getting to talk to the right people. Yeah, the uh, the ratings one seems to be one that's causing a, a bit of an issue or um, the uh, the handicapping in re- regard to it. Uh, Cameron, I'm not all over that at all, but I do notice a lot of country trainers do talk about that um, that system that we used to have of the 
the class ones, the class two, the class three versus the benchmark, they find it quite difficult, or they prefer to go back, I think, in some ways to those class races uh, to give all horses a, a fair chance. Um, they, they don't seem to support the benchmark ones as much. Yeah, Rob, benchmark is all about field size. If you put a benchmark race on, you're unlimited to your potential. I mean, if a horse wants to go into a benchmark and he's 20 points over it, he can go in it. So they maximise field yep. size. Where if it's a class race and it's a class three, well, there's your limit. If you're a class three above, you can't go in the race. So it certainly helps field size, um, which is important. Our problem with benchmark racing, and I've been pushing this one for quite some time, is we put a benchmark race on and majority of the horses are over the benchmark who go into the race and they dominate the race and all those horses at or just below it don't get a run. So the ratings band benchmarks then obviously, you know, play their part as zero to 55 and that helps. Yep. But then obviously RQ look at that and go, what if we only get seven horses in that race? We should have had it as just a 55 and got 25 horses. So it's once again, them balancing, trying to maximize field size. And we're trying to put our point across that you've got to give every horse a chance of getting a run. And once you slip down that, benchmark rating um, and you go into a benchmark race you can find it pretty hard when all the horses are above the benchmark to get a run the field size one seems to i think you you summed it up when you or hit the nail on the head when you mentioned tightening the belt Um, i always was on the impression that they did have a field size uh, policy a few years ago Um, but as things were going along swimmingly um, it seemed to get Oh, ignored I suppose and small fields were available but it, it always does seem to come back to that tightening the, the belt approach uh, as when they, they really closely look at it Yeah Rob, about three years ago the field side policy was five so if we had five yeah. or, or, or more we had a race and that got changed to seven and when they approached the HA with it, it was probably five years ago it feels like three um, the main mm-hmm. thing we said was if you're going to do that you've got to make sure you rerun that race so if you call the, you know, the, the, the two year old maiden of 1200 off this Saturday at Rocky at, at acceptance time we want you to make sure that that race gets rerun if there's not a suitable and when we say suitable basically you know, the exact replica of the race on within the next five to seven days and RQ are pretty good at that they'll then say hey yep, we're going to rerun that two year old maiden at Mackay or somewhere close by but in Southeast Queensland, that works pretty well because it's Ipswich, Gold Coast, Toowoomba, Sunshine Coast, everything's close by. But when you say to up north, oh, we're going to rerun that rocky two-year-old race at the Cairns meeting, as an example, um, that's probably a bit far-fetched. But even, you know, Mackay to town, Mackay to Cairns or something like that. Yeah. Huge ask for the travel of what all these country trainers are doing. And the race meeting, the race was on at the meeting. It was decided to not proceed with. It might be three weeks or four weeks before another race. So RQ do need to work a little bit harder, I think, at making sure that when they can the race and they abandon it, they get a similar race put on again and give it another chance for that race to go ahead. Usually horses are on different legs. They've either raced the week before or they've had an illness or, or an injury and they don't they can't race this week but they can race next week. So maybe putting those races back on a bit more often and giving them every opportunity to float because particularly a staying race or something like that where it's very unique, and there's only a certain batch of horses for that race, and that's not their fault that there's not enough horses. They've still got to give them a run. Yeah, just having yeah. a look at, say, for example, Cameron, the March calendar. Uh, hang on, Rob. Uh, just saying at the, on the March calendar, yeah, like you've got Bar Calden on the 9th, 
and then Longreach on the 16th and Cloncurry on the 23rd. So if something was to happen to a race at one of those venues, it wouldn't be that hard to then be able to replace it somewhere within that next couple of weeks. But then, say, for example, you look in the southwest, they race at Charleville on the 2nd of March. Um, from what I see, the next meeting in that sort of region is probably going to be the Roma Picnics on the 23rd, three weeks later. You've got to travel a fair way from Charleville to get up to Longreach or, or down to Wandoan or something like that for one of the other meetings coming up. So it's a tricky uh, road that they've got to balance themselves on, isn't it, Cam? It is, and that's why we have to look at both sides here. It's not just all about us. We'd like to, you know, we, we often forget that RQ have still got to run the business and they've got to, mm. to put something together that's going to do the right thing from the point of view of the industry and, and make money and make, make return and turnover. Just finding that balance and just making sure that, and that's where the ATA comes in, we just constantly, we try and help races that RQ say, hey, this one's not going to go ahead. We've got about five minutes in at acceptance time to maybe speak to a few of the trainers and ask them to change their direction. They put their preferences in. It says a box in the comment section with acceptances where they tell where they want to go. So if they're in two races on the day, if they don't put a preference in there, RQ have no idea. So what they'll do, human nature, they're going to put the horse into the race that's going to suit them the best. And the mm. trainer rings up and says, oh, I need yep. to put my horse in that race because I you know, was a backup in case the other one I really wanted didn't go ahead. Well, if you didn't tell the industry through the comments box, your preference, it's very difficult for IQ to make that decision. So trainers certainly have to help themselves. Uh, we'll be talking about that again this afternoon on how to do that as well on the, at the meeting. But trainers got to help themselves, but also the ATAs helping trainers trying to get IQ to understand our position. <laughs> yeah, again, it comes comes down to getting that balance and getting people along to that meeting this afternoon, Cameron. And uh, just following up from previous time we had you on and uh, the Isisford situation where that meeting was called off by the steward on the day, uh, there was an approach being made to come up with a new policy in regard to that. Has there been developments in that regard? Yeah, there has been um, the whole, obviously, development at Curic. And obviously, you know, after that, was that was the straw that broke the camel's back in Queensland as far as the frustrations we had as an industry with Curic and obviously you know the ATA and through the alliance which is the participant groups which is the jockeys the breeders the trainers and the owners we went to the minister and and basically demanded that you know she does a full review into Curic because things like what happened at Isisford and there was many other examples of it over the last few years have just got the you know at the point where it was it was untenable and the relationship that we had between RQ and Curic we couldn't see was getting any better so, um, and obviously that review by KPMG is fully underway at the moment, Rob. And it's they're doing a great job. KPMG, I've been heavily involved on the steering committee for it and I've obviously been interviewed as well. I feel they're doing a, a really good independent review of the situation. They're speaking to staff, ex-staff, current participants, associations, and just getting finding out what are all the concerns and where are the problems and then coming up with some solutions. So... I'm pretty confident that they're getting the right information, they're getting the right message, being KPMG, and they're going to come up with some solutions for the minister to say what has to happen going forward because what Curic were doing and how they were operating just wasn't good enough and wasn't satisfactory to the industry. We've got a dash, and Rob's got to go and look at some more yearlings. Cam, if anyone is listening in today and wants to uh, get involved in that meeting, uh, how do they get in touch with you? Oh, look, phone's always on, so 0433 329 395. Um, or you can you know, get hold of me and I'll explain how to join the ATA or be involved in the meetings or, or anything else that when we do at the ATA. Fantastic. Thanks for that update this week. Thanks, Tone. Thanks, Rob. Cameron Partington there from Thanks, the Queensland Cam. branch of the Australian Trainers Association. And as we've said in the past, Rob, um, it's easy to, and you see it so often, I guess, on social media, it's easy to be a keyboard warrior and... and have a look at things and say it's not quite right. I don't want to say whinge, but you know what I mean. 
um, you've got to then make your voice heard and get out there and be involved. You, you can't just sit on the sideline and take pot shots. You've got to put your voice forward and get involved. And if that's the, the way that you do it, uh, through uh, Cameron and the, the team there at the ATA Queensland branch, they've got the ear of racing Queensland, so you need to get involved. There's always a process that you can follow, isn't there? And um, part of that is being part of that association and... It uh, might take a little bit more time, but it comes down to developing that communication and understanding. Tony, we've seen that, you know, going back to the sales factor before we finish up today. You know, we've seen that with the development of the March sale and the cutest system throughout Queensland. You know, it's taken a good time for people to fully appreciate just the value of it to um, the Queensland industry. And uh, whereas once upon a time, it was difficult to get city trainers to travel as far as to Dolby, uh, to race in a fifty thousand dollar race, um, now we don't we don't have that problem. They are coming to the sale in numbers, and uh, I'll repeat again: if you are interested in in the stud tours that we're on at the moment, get hold of James Dawson. He's done a, a great job setting all this up, and it'd be great to see the studs get the support. There's still the Friday one to go, where Lindhurst, Raheen, Yarramalong, and Tibawana Farms uh, will feature. Contact James on 0401-412-838 and I'm sure he'll be able to accommodate you. Friday might be a pretty good day to uh, join the bandwagon and uh, check out the number of yearlings. There'll be about 100 horses displayed in that one day and that certainly puts a dent in your uh, research for the catalogue come uh, sale day on the 11th of 12th of March. But um, yeah, Tony, you're right. You've got to get involved. You've got to... uh, use the processes and, and gain a full understanding so we go forward in the right direction. Cameron's number, of course, will be in the ATA section of uh, the race magazine, but just in case you didn't grab it there, 0433 329 395 to get in touch with Cameron Partington. Thank you, Mr Luck. Uh, nice to have you on as uh, part of the, the show again this week, but even more so when you're out and about doing everything like that. And we neglected to mention last week, it was our birthday or our anniversary last week, so I guess we are entering year 21 now, having put 20 years of bush beat behind us. So happy anniversary, old mate. Yeah, happy anniversary, Tony and Bushbeat listeners. And, uh, yeah, it doesn't matter where we are or how we're travelling. We try to make sure we still get the show done, don't we? I think we've covered it from as far as New Zealand, Hawaii, Tasmania. I'm going to Japan in, ta- in March, April, Tony. We might have to set up a new link there uh-huh. for that occasion. But uh, we'll be back next week on Bushbeat. Can't miss it, covering country racing. And there's certainly more of that next week with those meetings coming up this weekend. So good morning to you. Good morning, listeners. Good on you, Rob. Enjoy your uh, stud visits there today. And yes, good luck to the clubs racing this coming weekend. Blackall, Gundawindi, Mariba and Mount Isa scheduled to race on Saturday. And of course, that's following on from the tab meetings today at Townsville, Thursday at Kilcoy, Friday at Mackay. And we'll be keeping a very close watch on all of those cutest dual qualifiers at Townsville, Mackay and then Rockhampton Saturday, plus the cutest dual preludes coming up at Durban on Saturday. And also a shout out to Thangul with their tab meeting coming up next Monday. We'll be back next Tuesday on Radio Tab with more country news here on Bushbeat.